You're listening to Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. It's time for Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. We're going to do one more song of ascent before we jump into the Advent season. And today, in Psalm 122, we actually seem to be stepping into the city of Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. which is obviously a great accomplishment for any pilgrim. You expect they'd be singing this song with great gusto and with a whole lot of relief. They're coming into the city after this pretty perilous journey. We talked about the safety issues that they faced along the way, the possibility of heat stroke, then also of potential robbers. This is a place of safety. They've come into the city, so they're feeling like they've arrived. The hub of the universe for them. Come to worship, yes, but also to get all the news of what's going on around the country. They are reciting these psalms at the same time as other people coming from other other places and singing and reciting these scriptures. A big celebration for them, a time of arrival. We've purposely focused on one approach to Jerusalem from the lowlands down by the Dead Sea. One of the most populated traveling routes because of all the abundance along the Jordan River. Mm -hmm. Many, many centuries of the prosperity of Israel and the nations around them were dependent upon the Jordan River. But we also saw echoes of other scriptures which don't necessarily seem to be about these kind of journeys, like, for example, the Good Samaritan. When we read it from outside of Jewish history, that particular parable or story that Jesus told doesn't say what the conditions or the situation or the event was that led to the events that we see. All we know is that, for some reason, this man was beaten to a pulp, left for dead, And that all of these other upright and well-regarded people march right by him Mm. on the same day. Now, I think to myself, how likely is it that everybody in the country, all the different stations, would be traveling the same road the same day? Mm. Well, these are the kind of times it would happen. So what if Jesus was talking about the Good Samaritan happening on a travel up to the most holy place for one of these great festivals? What if... The story that we hear about in the Good Samaritan is along the way where a pilgrim was coming up to celebrate in the house of the Lord. The psalm says that God will protect those who are traveling, keep the sun off them by day and keep the cold of the moon from getting them at night. There's all kinds of assurances in the scripture about how God watches over his travelers, his pilgrims. What if that man in the Good Samaritan story was a pilgrim? What if that was God's answer for him? That he believed the word and God sent for him a rescuer. Mm. That puts a whole new light on it for me. It does, yeah. What does the word of God promise to those who are faithful to him? Mm. What if God answers those prayers in a way that we don't like? Right. right. But still accomplishes the thing that he said he would do. Mm. That puts a whole new angle on that story from the New Testament for me. Yeah. Well, let's read through Psalm 122. And I'm going to read the voice. A song of David for those journeying to worship. I was so happy when my fellow pilgrims said, Let's go to the house of the Eternal. We have made the journey, and now we are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, what a magnificent city. Buildings so close together, so compact. God's people belong here. Every tribe of the Eternal makes its way to Jerusalem. Just as God decreed for Israel to come together and give thanks to the Eternal. In Jerusalem, justice is the order of the day, because there sit the judges, and kings, the descendants of David. 
Ask heaven to grant peace to Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper. O Jerusalem, may his peace fill this entire city. May this citadel be quiet and at ease. It's because of people, my family, friends, and acquaintances that I say, may peace permeate you. And because the house of Eternal One, our God, is here, know this, I will always seek your good. And what's really cool about the poetry for me here, honey, is that the poet is speaking of things that are tangible within Mm -hmm. the city and makes them stand in for spiritual principles. And for those who hadn't seen it before, what would be the first things you would observe in a city like this? Well, he describes a lot of those things. And I want to read another translation of the NCB that we've read before that takes the same objects but uses a different turn of phrase Mm -hmm. than what the voice did on the same sentence. Okay. For example, I rejoice when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And finally, our feet are standing at your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is firmly bound together in unity. There the tribes go up the tribes of the Lord, as it is decreed for Israel to celebrate the name of the Lord. For there the thrones of judgment were established, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you rest secure. May there be peace within your walls and security in your palaces. Out of love for my relatives and friends, I will say, may peace be within you. Out of love for the house of the Lord, our God, I will pray for your well-being. Same objects, different inflection, I would Mm -hmm, say, mm -hmm. in this. I find it very interesting that this psalm talks so much about the peace of Jerusalem, the peace of the Holy Land, Mm -hmm. when so much war has been fought there and is currently being fought there. The psalmist is calling it a city of peace. Jerusalem literally means peace. Speaking that over the city, knowing that historically, even before this psalm was written, and probably knowing prophetically that it would be a city that would have so much conflict surrounding it, within it, overshadowing it. It is a great call for peace in church when we pray, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer, that there would be peace in this place, that the conflict would cease. You're speaking to the city itself as if it's a person or if it's God himself. Yeah. So when you're praying, usually we address God in the first person. In this case, they're praying literally to Jerusalem, which means the peace of God, right? So the city's name is the name of God, that God's name is peace. Mm Mm-hmm. He is a prince of peace. Peace is Jerusalem, and the prince that comes out of it is Jesus himself. Right. We know that from our understanding of the names of God in the modern era. Back then, we look forward to that day. We look back on that period of Jerusalem and think, even Jesus was mourning that the kind of peace that was going to come was going to come at a great and terrible cost, mm-hmm. not just to himself, but to the city, mm-hmm. that finally the nations of the world, the empires, would be arrayed against them and would destroy it utterly. And that, we know, historically happened in A.D. 70. Mm -hmm. And it was the great destruction. It was not a small thing. They literally tore down every single stone of the temple and melted off the gold, plundered it, and took it back to Rome. Those things are not small historical events. We don't read about that in the Bible so much because there was such a rush for the church to get out of Jerusalem and go into hiding other places around the empire to hide from the great purging that was going on in Jerusalem. It was just an awful and ugly time in history then. 
How did they deal with this psalm? Is what I'm wondering. Obviously, we can't really know to what depth or what consideration that occurred unless we dig really deep into historical documents, which well, we don't they, have access to. They had the to. book, yeah. so they're using that as their worship. I would imagine that most of the psalms were great comforts in times of mm-hmm. trial and tribulation. They had to have read the psalm during that time. Yeah. But what did it mean for people that was now diaspora across the world? They were spread out. They were sent away. Not to come back to Jerusalem for a generation or more, or maybe 10 generations. Mm-hmm. Who knows? In time where the peace that you seek is not to be found in this world, what does this psalm mean? It's an issue for current events now. Yeah. We have to carry that peace within us, the peace of God that comes through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the power that comes from knowing that God is sovereign. Yeah. I don't like to use that in a flippant way or no. saying God is in control and cliche. It is a very powerful statement, and I use it in that way that God is sovereign in our situation when the peace of the world around us is not evident or yeah. is not there for us. We have to, as believers in Jesus, as bearers of his image, as people who are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, we have to allow that to bring us peace that is beyond comprehension. I know the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul tells us that. But that's not just a poster board that we yeah. put up in our house. That is something that we have to internally digest. Yes, it is. And allow the Holy Spirit, beg the Holy Spirit, to make that true in our hearts. Indeed, when we're pursuing that, if we really believe that scripture, he'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a location thing. This isn't just some concept of some idea. It says, place yourself right in the center where Jesus already is. Mm -hmm. Be there. God will keep you there. Mm -hmm. In Jesus, you've got Sabbath. You've got rest. So if we take it seriously that he is now present in a way through the Holy Spirit that we could not even imagine, but now we have a way to have him even indwelling us and likewise us being drawn into him. If we really believe that, then there's no reason for us to be away from peace, even in unpeaceful and warring times. And I don't say that flippantly either, honey, because, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about Christians just yesterday in Gaza that are dwindling fast. So many of them have died in this current conflict. And there was only about 1,500 to 2,000 active Christians that we know of that were in Gaza at the time. But now they're being rooted out. So where is the testimony of the peace of God in that situation? That troubles me greatly because sure. the heart of Christianity in Palestine is being wiped out. The third oldest church on the planet is in Gaza, and it was bombed in this conflict. So what do we expect of God in this kind of situation? Is there a kind of peace that we should be seeing in this scripture that's not just about people putting down their arms and not fighting each other? Mm -hmm. Is there another kind of peace here that you think that God is talking about through this particular psalm? Well, that goes to a deeper part of your heart when you think about what does peace look like for me as an individual. Mm -hmm. We can look at the world around us. I mean, I'm thinking of multiple conflicts in the world that we know about through partners on the ground, through the news outlets. I think about what's happening in Ukraine, and we have several dear friends that are at the heart of that war there. They're fighting for their country. They're providing care for those that are injured and wounded. And they're trying to save their churches. And trying to save their churches. I think about our friends in India who are experiencing such persecution for their faith, for their heritage. 
those issues that are looming large there. And I think of what's happening in the Holy Land right now. Sudan is having difficulties as well. There are still conflicts bubbling up in Syria. All over the world, there are conflicts that make peace a desperate cry, you know? So reading this psalm, I have to say, honestly, I do not understand that kind of conflict. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. All over the world, there are conflicts that make peace a desperate cry, you know? So reading this psalm, I have to say, honestly, I do not understand that kind of conflict. Mm. I do not understand what it feels like to have my home destroyed, not just taken away, but completely, utterly destroyed. And you'll never get it back. And to never get it back. And to lose my sense of place, to lose my home, to lose friends and family. I don't know what that's like, but I know that this psalm was written for that purpose, to pursue that peace. Yes. It's called a Davidic psalm, so we are assuming that David wrote this, written before Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians and they were taken into captivity. They were saying this psalm back then when they're in Babylon. They're not in Jerusalem. There's no peace for them. And Jerusalem is destroyed. Okay, this is a thing that we recite that maybe we don't fully, completely grasp the significance or meaning of it. But it is a rehearsal in our hearts for what peace can look like. If you're talking about people in exile that are praying this prayer, imagining themselves going up to the city and imagining themselves mm-hmm. in the gates of, in their minds, a new Jerusalem mm-hmm. because the old one is gone. How many times has Jerusalem been flat? It's been a lot. Mm-hmm. There's been more times than not where the people that wanted to worship on the Holy Mount did not have that opportunity. Right. And right. yet they still have these psalms. Mm-hmm. Over those three or 4,000 years, temples being built, temples being crushed, Castles being built and palaces being smashed, the populations growing and flourishing and then being decimated. So many times have been waves of persecution against the city itself, which, if this is really kind of a metaphor for God's presence, it's a war against God's imminence, his mm-hmm. presence within us. Mm-hmm. It's a war against him actually taking up residence. Mm-hmm. We don't want that kind of God here. He's the kind of God that bears witness against my gods or the way we live. There's always been a self-condemnation for people when they compare themselves or have put themselves up to the image of a God who says, I am holy, I'm set apart. It is right to come worship me because I am right. Mm -hmm. And that's not a negotiable term. You know, God's saying, I am the one. I made all this. I made you. Mm -hmm. It is good and right to come worship me. That's not a problem for those of us who accept that tenet, that God is good and he is worthy of worship. 
but it flies in the face of every other possibility. It's always been a stumbling block. Mm -hmm. But the question is, is God angry at those who resist? Mm -hmm. I think the enemy of our soul would have us believe that God is angry. We hear many scriptures do this. Even when we were enemies of God... He sought us out. Mm -hmm. He provided for us. He made a way. He sent Jesus. We hear that theme over and over again. Even when we were running far, far away, he went after us. Yeah. Not because he wanted slaves, but because he wanted them to know how awesome and worthy and wonderful it is to be in his presence. Mm -hmm. He wanted to share and build real relationships. We believe from our experience and from the testimony of the word of God, including this psalm, that God's intent is for us to have that kind of experience of stepping into that Jerusalem, whether it was one hoped for or whether it was one in their generation they could step foot into. Either way, something eternal was present here. Mm-hmm. And that really had to be the Spirit of God Himself. Yeah. You know, every Sunday at our church, we have a time in our service that we pass the peace. Mm. We walk around the sanctuary and say the peace of God, and we offer that to those around us, to to our fellow congregants. This, to me, is a very tangible way of spreading peace. Yes. And we say it believing that God is in that. We are passing that on to our fellow congregants, and we are receiving it from them. That is a really tangible example for me of how God's peace gets spread. Sometimes it can be... A rope thing. We pass the peace because that's what we do at church. But for me, I really have decided in my heart to grasp that as a deeply spiritual and meaningful thing that we do. Yes. It is a part of me that I am passing on to a fellow traveler. But the same journey to the temple, to the city of Jerusalem, the city of peace. And I want to take my hand and pull them up the next step as I grab the person in front of me and they pull me up the next step. It is a passing of the peace that we share with each other that is encouraging, uplifting, that is strength building and community building. It is a joint effort on our part. And if you have people that are ahead of you in this journey that are waiting for you there and you make it, it's Mm. been a tough and arduous journey and you're hot and you're sweaty and you pass through the gates and you're like, you're finally there. Mm -hmm. And someone walks up to you, you know, and says, hey, Bram, Sandy, you made it. Here you are. If we have that kind of spirit on any given Sunday morning, we're passing the peace saying, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Mm -hmm. We may actually feel that, but... How often do we feel like we're actually free just to express that kind of joy Mm -hmm. that someone else is with us to enjoy this piece together and to share it because we don't have room for it in our own pockets. we Mm got to spread it. A couple more thoughts to round out our study on this particular psalm today, honey. One I would say is about the peace of Jerusalem. The way the phrase goes, you know, pray for the peace that's in Jerusalem is the way some translations put it. Other ones say pray for the peace of Jerusalem which would mean, on the flip side, pray that the peace that is Jerusalem will be sent other places. Mm -hmm. I'm more of that camp saying that the peace that already exists, that's outside of my circumstances and beyond my ability to create it on my own, is something that God gives this place because he gives his presence there. And he wants it to be shared with the world. But there's an assumption that there's actually peace there. Mm -hmm. But it can't be resting in men. Right. Because it's been proven that men hate this kind of peace. Yeah. Yeah. And they fight against it. That's a great evil. And yet God still says this is the city of peace, made by peace, built for peace, a factory made for minting peace to send to the rest of the world. That's what seems to me to be the real focus of that phrase. 
Mm-hmm. During this time where the temple is built, that was where the Spirit of God lived. That was the house of God, and that's how the people viewed it. As we have moved through history, and as Jesus taught us, I have to go away, so I send a comforter. They indwell you. The Spirit of God lives within you. We are the house of mm, God. There you go. And so we carry temples. that yeah. peace of God with us. We actually do carry that, and we don't always feel like it. But that is our privilege as followers of Jesus, as image bearers of Christ, as temples of the Holy Spirit. We heard that phrase, I mean, I have my entire life. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So that is where the Holy Spirit dwells. That's where the house of God is. It's within us. And acting on that within us and acknowledging and admitting that it's really there and then choosing to go the next step saying, what's next, Lord? Mm -hmm is something that is working out our faith. Mm-hmm. It is our spiritual service of worship. Right. In the first case. Now I think about Jesus talking about who actually obeyed the Father. Mm-hmm. The one that said he would and then went off to something else and forgot about it. Or the one that said, I will never do that for you. And then reconsiders later. Mm-hmm. Away from the Father. The Father doesn't know this. But then comes back and obeys mm-hmm. and does the thing he was asked to do. And Jesus says, which one was obedient to the Father? Well, obviously the one who did the thing. Right. So there's plenty of time to think where we're facing something where we don't feel it. We're doubting plenty. And yet we ask him to really speak to us. And then we start acting and repenting is what that word means. Mm -hmm. Acting out that obedience that we had not agreed to earlier in our hearts. But now we're willing Mm -hmm. because the Spirit made it possible for us to be willing. That is transformational because we cross over the barrier of saying, no, I will not to, maybe it's possible to, I'm going to try to, this is it. And we move into it. It's an intentional thing. Yes, it is. But God builds that intention along the way, right? Right. Easy for those who have made it past the gates. They they know they've arrived. So everything else from there is is cake. You know, (laughs) it's just a party. But for those who are still down the hill, not up there on the hill yet, David writing a song of ascent. You were mentioning this being used for those who are going to the temple. If David actually wrote this, which he probably did, that temple didn't exist. Mm. In fact, he had dreams of the temple existing. He wanted to build that temple. And God said flat out, no, because there's too much blood on your hands. That must have been a devastating injunction against him. He shut him down. But at the same time, the house of the Lord was up there. It was a tent. And there was a city of God on that hill. David just had an image, a, a dream of something that transfigured into something beyond what he had ever known. But he had an idea in his mind, maybe a premonition, maybe a prophecy mm-hmm. of what his son would actually build someday. I don't know. But again, the whole principle for us as Christians comes down to it is not about the stones. Mm-hmm. It is definitely about the living stones now. Absolutely. Yeah. Last point. The peace of Jerusalem has to be about those who are there in unity. Everybody who is Jerusalem is part of this. And I think about the city of Jerusalem, an incorporated entity now on planet Earth. The city is full of people from different ethnic, linguistic, and cultural backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Can there be a peace that is unifying in a city like that? I believe it's possible. Mm. But it's going to be because people believe that God himself wants all men to be at peace with him. Mm-hmm. He wants all the people that serve in the house of the Lord, and by metaphor, the entire city of Jerusalem, to be all in. Loving their neighbors, helping each other, and like the Good Samaritan, rescuing those who were previously seen as enemies. Mm-hmm. Jesus wants to transform all of that 
So if we're going to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem, some might be thinking, oh, that means that the Jews get it and that they're the only ones that get to live in that city. Nowhere in the scripture do we hear that the city of Jerusalem is only for the Jew, Mm -hmm. but it is absolutely for God. The image bearers of God belong there. So if we're going to make peace, we better make peace with all the people that God gave us around us and see what he will do in building connection, building opportunity to share the story. And for us as Christians, of course, we dream for the day when people all around the world can get it that Jesus is real and is Israel, Mm -hmm. that he himself encompasses all of it so that we are stepping into something that we did not have a right to grab onto by blood, but we've been grafted in. And so can anybody be. Be regrafted into the true Israel. Absolutely. So when I pray for the peace of Israel, I'm praying for that kind of thing to happen, that God would bring peace to the people that are Israel, and especially Jerusalem. But I'm also praying that that thing spills over into peace all around them. Mm. I'm just going to wrap it up by reading the last two verses of this psalm. They really speak to me, and it's verses 8 and 9. It says, For the sake of my family and friends, I say, peace be with you. For the sake of the Lord our God's house... I will pray for your good. Mm. Thanks for joining us today for Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Tune in tomorrow where we'll have stories from around the world where God's at work and doing great things with the people of God. And later this week, we'll jump right into our Advent series, Mm. both on our Friday and Monday programs. We look forward to seeing you for those as well. Thanks for joining us. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.